Blog Talk Radio. afternoon and good morning wherever you are in the world and welcome to the Natural Co-Creators show with Jennifer Lynch and tonight I will be doing a show with Drew Pillow who's a very experienced um, radio show host and we're going to be talking, Drew and I are going to be talking about rejection and how that affects us in our lives. And Drew runs many radio shows, don't you, Drew? Good evening. How are you? I'm fine. How are yeah? You? Yeah, Drew, great. do you want to tell our listeners what shows you run on Blog Talk? Because you have quite uh, a few, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a couple. I do, uh, <laughs> I do host, I do host uh, Blog Talk radio shows, um, they are designed for, you know, healing and talk about spirituality. We do a show on Sunday. Also, awakenings. Uh, Soul Wise 5.0 and Light. Conspiracies and science history. It's called The Star Man. And it's Thursday called The Alpha. Yeah, your voice is dipping in and out a bit, but yeah, the Cigar Man, yeah, I've seen that one. That's a new one, isn't it? You still there, Drew? Sure, I'm still there. I think they're having a sound issues here. He, he, I think he's driving. I think he's in his car. Can't hear him yet. Yeah, that's better. That's better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's getting out of my car. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) we do a lot of fun things, just like you do. We uh, just want to help people get better, see things from a different angle. And uh, so, how long have you been doing your show? So, um, I did it first of all for about a year, and then I had a break, and I had a little rethink about it, and now I'm carrying on with it. So it's like, you know, and at the moment what I'm thinking is because I interview a lot of guests, I think it'd be nice to do some of these things in between, like talk about rejection, talk about uh, how to get through these things that come and, you know, wobble us in our life and set us wobbling, can't they? Oh, yeah. Rejection is a big thing, too. Mm hmm. <laughs> Rejection will really damage a person, don't you think? Yeah, I've been rejected a lot, Drew, in my life, but I'm like now thinking that, you know, loving yourself is all part of 
how you deal with it and how much it impacts on you. So it's not just the rejection, it is how you feel, you know, when you're going through it. So let's let's define rejection in case somebody's listening and they don't know what rejection means or if we maybe we have different understandings of what rejection is. Do you how do you define rejection? I would say that rejection is like you can have a relationship or a role, you know, with somebody or you're being you feel like you're being accepted for who you are and then you sort of find out that all the rules have changed, you know, and you know, things were not as you thought they were and you can actually feel a bit like totally lost. How do you does that make sense to you, Delodri? Oh, making sure. <laughs> you, yeah, here. can you hear me? You got yeah. quiet, so I didn't. Yeah, I well, were. I went quiet because I was waiting for you, Drew. <laughs> oh, well, I'm listening and learning. I'm actually what? switching phones right now, so I can <laughs> hear you better. Yeah. All right, I'm call okay. you on a different number. Give me You're like uh, two minutes. Yeah, oh, I'll okay. call you on a better cool. number. Okay, cool. Okay. Thanks. Okay, so Drew's just going to call back in. And I think it's very important what he says, how we define it, uh, how we apply our meaning to it. Because for one person, it might be uh, have a totally different meaning to another person. And it can also have different meanings, whether it's a romantic relationship or whether it's you know, a friend, whether it's a job, you go for a job, you don't get it, you don't hear why. Um, And sometimes you say, another thing is you can say, can I have feedback on this job? Why I didn't get the job? And, you know, they're saying now, you know, that's a useful thing. But I'd say, you know, well, how useful is it? Because sometimes, you know, if you're you just do not fit and your face does not fit, you can't really do anything about that. Um, so, you know, to hear that you weren't quite right, but but you know, um, so I've been on both things about that because once I didn't get a job because they said to me they thought I was uh, I would be bored. I would be bored if I had the job, and. I really needed a job because it's a time in my life when money was really tight and I needed this job. And so I I let them know all my experience and I let them know all about me and it was really relaxed. Most relaxed I've been in an interview and feeling really happy with how the interview went. And it wasn't that they didn't understand me. It wasn't that they didn't know what I was talking about it was just that they just thought this woman has done quite a lot in her life she's going to be bored so you know I could have looked upon that as rejection they could walk away from that and say you know they rejected me in that job 
But I did ask for feedback, and that is how I found out that, you know, they offered it to somebody else who, I suppose, had either done exactly the thing they were wanting or another candidate they thought wouldn't be bored in the job. So there's different ways of looking at it. There's different ways of, you know, different perspectives here. But at the end of the day, you know, if you love yourself, learn to love yourself and who you are. Um, this feeling of rejection um, isn't quite as strong. It's still a little bit there, I'd say. You still feel, well, maybe, you know, if I had that job, I'd have the money, I'd be happy, blah, blah, blah. But what you've got to realize is there might be something else there, something that is a much, much better match to you. So it's not only about your match to the person, the thing, the job, the family relationship, what have you, it is about your match as well. So, you know, it's all quite interesting. So while we're waiting for Drew to come back, because he's calling back in a different number. I think he's driving and he's just got in. And obviously, you know, we want to be able to hear him because he's fabulous. I'm going to play uh, Beauty and the Beast by Mr. G, which is a poem, which is all about this theme and how we like to change ourselves and how we're not happy with how we are. I'm just going to put this on for you. And rounding things off this week is spoken word artist Mr. G with a poem about beauty and the beast. The spotlight forms shadows. The widest of choices can seem narrow. Too many strings in this archer's bow can lead to directionless arrows. The turn of a tarot card scars the path that fate was dealt. That even the most beautiful amongst us all can still cast the mask to hate ourselves. We denigrate ourselves. Never embrace ourselves. Cook the food, serve the plates to reshape ourselves. So we wish to change ourselves. Secretly escape ourselves. Almost ashamed of the way that God chose to make ourselves. So I want my nose a little thinner. My figure a little fitter. Lips not too large or too small. Height about three inches bigger. Go figure. It's the darker skin that wants to be light. And lighter skin prays all day to see more sunlight. And add more tone to the bone that makes everything all right. Big wants to be slim. And slim wants curves to bring out the fuller shape that would have made all the difference within. I'm fighting a bald patch. A losing battle and that's a fact. So either I invest in an ocean of useless potions or keep combing over at the back. So where's my hat? You do the math. We can spend our whole lives worrying over what we cosmetically lack. Blacks wanting to be white and whites wanting to be black. The grass will always seem greener. Other people's lives will always seem easier. Magazines will always airbrush pictures providing us with the essential milk of amnesia. I came to bury Caesar, but found that he buried me, killed off by a mixture of an implicit molotov of skin-deep ideals. You see, they don't ever want you to be free, in control of your own destiny, there's too many products of stuff that rely on the unhappiness you feel. So you're never gorgeous enough, desirable enough, admirable enough, content enough, proud of who you are in a world ever marred by all this resentful stuff. It's a fundamental bluff, but hard to rise above this beast whose burden that we all bear. Maybe one day we can look deep within ourselves and see that the beauty was always there. 
powerful words from Mr. G, and you can hear more of him on the last few weeks of the radio series Bespoken Word on Radio 4 every Wednesday until the end of August at 11pm. And that's the end of this edition of the UK Black Podcast. Tune in next week for another selection of highlights from black programming across the BBC's local radio stations. Okay, cool. So that's all about our identity and how we always want to be different to who we are. We want to be slimmer. We want to be larger. We want to be, you know, we want to be totally different to who we are all the time. There's these people come along, we think, oh, I just want to be like her. I want to have fatter lips. I want to have, you know, I want to have a large bust. I want to have a skinny waist or, you know, whatever. And don't want to be bald and people are not very accepting of who they are are they Drew right yeah I think that's why I think I think that plays a part in the rejection equation and uh first I want to say thanks for having me on this show and can you hear me okay yeah I can hear you great Andrew thanks for coming on okay good yeah I'm sitting in the, the studio so yeah, definitely the uh I think that I think that re- self-image or self-acceptance, you know, like when we don't really accept ourselves, then the validation that we get from others is almost vital. So, I get in a relationship and that person completes me. And so if something happens and it changes, then then now it it kind of takes away my whole sense of being whole now I'm not valid anymore you know so it really hurts badly when relationships end or if I'm being validated by my job when I lose it then it really it's more than just I lost the job because of course we can get other jobs but when that job makes me who I am then losing that job that feeling of rejection is devastating does that make sense yeah, I was just talking about that, Drew. I don't know if you heard me say that um, I went for a job once and they said, you know, they didn't offer it to me because they thought I would be bored in the job, right? But actually, I really needed the job because I um, I needed the money at the time. So it's like after I didn't get the job, I, I called them up, and that's why I found out the reason. You see, I found out the reason that they thought I'd be bored. And I just thought, you know what? I wish I hadn't called. I wish I hadn't found that out in a way because that was hard to take because I thought it's not really a real reason for not getting the job. It was like their opinion of me. Their opinion of me was I would be bored, you know. So, you know, it was it was tough. It was tough. And I think it's easier now if I've applied for jobs, you know, I would never, like, ask the reason now because it's just like it doesn't really add anything to it. It's like there is always something out there for you. So why worry, you know, if your face doesn't fit, you can't really do anything about it, can you? Right, right. Yeah, I think that... um I think it's 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 super perceptual like the way we the way we look at things. You know, two people can have the same situation, be in the same boat and one looks at it as something really bad happening to them and the other one says, "Ah, oh, well, 
I just didn't get that job, but I'll get the next one. So it's the way yeah. we talk to ourselves and the way, you know, yeah. keeping a stiff upper lip and staying positive. Super important. So what, uh, so you introduced me. I'm a radio show host and producer. And so we're talking about rejection issues. So I didn't, There, where's the connection? How, why am I a person to talk to it about? Uh, because a lot of our shows are about healing and that's an area that people need to be healed in. And, um, in my travels, you know, I've, I've experienced a lot and I've been, uh, exposed to a lot of good information about healing. And this is, this is a topic about healing. So that's my credentials for anybody listening that says, who's this guy? Dr. Drew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think, you know, like your views and the way you engage with people, it's sort of done in a slightly sort of funnish way, I think sometimes, because sometimes it's like you get to talk about these topics and you can feel worse afterwards. And I think we we got to like look up. I mean, because downbeat, you just end up feeling worse. And so fear is a lot to do with rejection, isn't it? Fear. Oh, yeah. Fear, definitely. I I think that for for people to address issues, I think that one of the hangups that I had personally and I noticed in people is that um, sometimes people are ashamed they are ashamed that they have an issue. The The word issue just sounds really bad, like you're doing something bad in life or that you're less than. But the reality, and I like to shine light on reality and better ways of looking at things, everyone, nobody's perfect. So if you're not perfect, it's okay. You're a human now. And, and you don't have to be ashamed of what your reality is. I like to, I like to share my truth. So that people can look and say, oh, wow, me too. So, you know, a lot of people try to present an image of, oh, my life is so perfect. And that just makes, that makes other people feel even worse. Like, wow, there are perfect people and I'm not one of them. And, and I like to just kill that, that myth. That's not true. Nobody's perfect. And so I show my imperfections and I say, hey. You you got this too? Oh, cool. We both got it. Yay. And we can both yeah. get better. So Yeah, I just you, think that's Yeah. Somebody somebody did it for me and it helped me a lot. So I do it for other people. You wrote a really cool list of things. Your top yeah. tips. Yes. Top tips. I'm just finding that now for us. So top tips. Jennifer's top, top tips. tips. So we'd like to hear some of Drew's top tips as well in a minute. Okay, so number one is speaking your truth from the start. So to let people understand you, get to know you, you know, you, you have to be able to speak the truth. And that's not just in romantic relationships, it's with everybody, with friends and you know, you, you form better relationships by speaking the truth. Yeah? What do you think about yeah. that, Andrew? Yeah, you should always be honest. People can't like you if they don't know who you are. 
if you're mm-hmm. showing them a fake version of you, they might like the fake version. But when the true version shows up, they may not like that. So why is why is that that why why do we have to give that as a tip? Do people not mm-hmm. all automatically just do that? No, I'm actually I've had a bit of a problem with this in the past as well. Uh, especially in relationships, it'd be like, I'm basically just too nice, you know. <laughs> like, you know, I'm too much of a pushover, I'm too soft. It's like, I'm worried about treading on people's toes, I'm worried about people being angry. And like, and as I've got older, I have got better at this, you know. So some people... um find it very hard to be authentic and we're all aiming to be authentic but when it comes to it the fear of the possible loss of a person in your life can make you start bending over backwards yeah yeah definitely I think that people I think that people do I think there's many people who struggle with telling the truth being honest about who they are because they don't really like who they are. You know, mm-hmm. we we have this saying here, put your best foot forward. I don't know if you guys have it over there, but yeah, yeah, we, we have put that. our best foot forward. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the real you. That's not the whole you. That's the good you. What about the other parts of you, the parts that are, yeah. you know, like sometimes I'm afraid and sometimes I'm not really sure or sometimes I, you know, I eat onions and my breath smells funny. You know, for a person for a person to like you, they have to know the whole they have to know the other foot too. But we're afraid that if they see that foot, they're going to run. Or maybe they yeah. will, and maybe if maybe if they run, that's a good thing because it makes space for the person who won't run. Yeah. How about exactly. that. Yeah, the mm-hmm. person that likes onions. <laughs> yeah. There are people like that. And, you know, I think I think that's that's always a difficult one, but it's also about like knowing what you want. It's like otherwise it turns situations turn into guesswork, don't they? And guesswork's not always healthy either. So it's like, you know, even with friends and family, it's like if you if you have a friend who calls you up and says to you, Do you want to go out shopping or you want to go for a walk with them and like you don't really want to go but you just go along with it you know and you 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 do things begrudgingly and you're not doing things from the heart so to do things from the heart I think you have to be a little bit more about what you want I know there is compromise but that's why similar types of people do tend to get on better together because they they've got the same outlook and it there is there has to be a compromise because um definitely you should you should honor what you want. Friendships should go both ways. You should do things that your friends like and they should do things that you like. But if you only do what you like, then you don't grow. You know, you may like just sitting at home all day with the yeah. cat. You know, but you <laughs> won't grow doing that. So sometimes you have to get outside your comfort zone. So it, it compromise is important, and it's hard to know when to say when. That's you know I I totally believe in 
life coaches and advisors and guides. I believe in, in people who are here to help people because we don't always know how to move our – we might know that we need to change, but we may not know how to change. So Yeah, definitely. And, of course, <laughs> Drew, I do readings for people as well. I go to Mind, Body, Soul events, and I quite often attract people who – you know, a sort of feeling really stuck in their lives as well. And quite often what comes up for people, especially this weekend that's been happening, is about, like, the need for personal freedom. So it's like they can be in relationships, but they're not... They haven't got enough personal freedom, you know? It's like they don't go off and do their own thing enough, you know? And sometimes when they start to bring in that energy... It's not so codependent, you know, it's more about what they want as well as the other person. It can balance it out because then the person they're with will start to admire them a little bit more, think, you know, that they're with somebody who's got something to offer, who's got their own hobbies, you know. So a lot of people are, you know, give up too much. They give up too much of themselves. And then end up not really doing anything at all, um, but working. And working is really important. But, you know, it's like they, they give up their dreams. They give up their dreams. Quite sad, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and people, pain, pain. <laughs> a, a lot of things I've learned are really counterintuitive, like pain, Oh, my God, who likes pain? Nobody. We run from pain and discomfort. But but sometimes being uncomfortable is the catalyst for change. Once I'm so uncomfortable, I'm going to do something different. Like, you know, I'm going to stop doing the same thing and getting the same results. But sometimes I just have to get really uncomfortable in my comfort zone. Does that make sense? I like that too. That's <clears throat> so I'm having some water. Um, yeah, I think that that's exactly how it is, isn't it? Once you've reached that point of actually this is making me so uncomfortable I can't carry on, then whether it is a job, whether it is a relationship, whether it is something in the family, you might then start running like a different script, a different pattern. Um I don't know about you, but I often think about words and songs as well. And then I'm thinking, you know, they come in sometimes and I just think, yeah, I remember how that song went now. And and they can give you strength as well or something you've read in a book. And you might just yeah. go, right, okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As far as... Um to motivate you or inspire you. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any favorite songs, Drew? Do you have any favorite songs? I don't listen to a lot of music, but when I do listen, I listen to music that I can dance to. Yeah. I like to dance. and yeah. or Or I listen to really old songs that make me feel nostalgic and sad 
Mm-hmm. It makes me remember the good old days when I was a little kid, when I was a little boy. And then mm-hmm. it makes me sad, so I turned it off. Oh, right. Okay, that is sad. What I'm going to do now yeah. is I'm going to play another poem by Miss G because I felt like normally I do play a few pieces of music, but today I thought it'd be quite good to have some Mr. G's poetry, which sort of relates to the subjects that we've got. Um, so what this one is called Growing Up. I'm just going to play this now. The Art of Growing Up Suddenly, the constant whinging of your hypocritical parents makes more sense to you now than your favourite tune did way back when. Yet you're still too scared to admit this. You've come to realise that respect on the street is but an endless performance of mindless aggression that still will only impress the audience of the few. Your slang fades, and your city is renamed. The nightclub that you once loved have shut down and now have different names with different faces. Or they've been completely upgraded, grafted into sanitised little overpriced bars that only play muffled bass lines through cute, pretty, sleek and well-placed speakers. Your transformation is almost complete. You look for work where you once played, and with no pay, play becomes hard work. Jack the lad resembles a dull toy, and as for Jill, well she cries buckets of water, and between drinks she finds the courage to send you on your way. You go home and play your favourite computer game that you try to relive the days of the arcade. the earth where you reside. 
Who owns the food that you eat? Who owns the air that you breathe? Who replays the soundtrack to the street where they do an old dance to the same old beat? And the record is a permanent scratch, so we skip in the same place over and over and over again. Last week, your son walked in and called you an absent hypocrite. I guess your transformation is complete. Okay, so that's Growing Up Mr. G, quite thought-provoking about how we notice our kids suddenly turn around and sometimes don't, you know, see us in in a good light and can turn around with their own views about who we are and um, also about the patterns as well, repetitive patterns and things. Um, but, of course, we're aiming, aren't we? We're aiming to walk our talk now, aren't we, Drew? We're in a new thing. We're in a new place now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because talking it won't get you where you're trying to go. And and I think that's an important topic because <clears throat> people, it seems like today it's all about image. With social media, we take the best picture, we type the best quotes, and we try to present a, an us that is so perfect. It's, it's really so far removed from who we are. So we, we become accustomed, some of us become accustomed to living like in an image world where we just, all we have to do is just talk it and pretend. But the real world world is about walking it. It's about being it. And and so many people are so unhappy on the inside because all they do is dress up the outside. They just talk it, but they don't walk it. They tell you what the mm-hmm. medicine looks like, but they don't take the medicine themselves, so they don't get better. I was looking at your I was looking at your list. Your list says keep fit, it gives you more options. Number 7 on your top tips. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about that one? <clears throat> Well, I think it makes sense, but I think that some women are just so beautiful, and some guys are so beautiful, and it has nothing to do with the way they look. They just have the big smile. They're just super pleasant to be around. They're fun. They're good listeners. They're good conversationalists, and they're just loving people, and I think that that's the most important and what you, you know, and what you look like is just secondary because we get old, we get older. I don't look as good as I did. No, yeah, we don't, we don't <laughs> stay looking the way we did when we were nineteen. So we have to. Yeah. yeah, my 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 girlfriend, she's a bag of wrinkles, and so am I. You know, no, actually, we're not. But still, <laughs> I, I I think that. I think that we can look at the keep fit. I think that people can take it the wrong way and yeah. think that and become shallow mm. and measure their worth. They can, if I look good, then I am good. How about 
if you look good, you're still going to feel the same way on the inside. How about work on the inside and feel great yeah. no matter how you look? Cool. Yeah. I sort of thought, like, you know, like when you get a bit fitter, you can walk your dog further. You know, you feel quite, like, when you walk outside and you're a bit fitter, you feel a bit more upbeat than, you know, if you're, you, you feel better for being more energetic. But that's not so much about the the figure, the body shape, or the image. It could be just like you're, you're just enjoying the outside. Because I've got fields of oh, cats yeah. And I like that's to walk perfect. and... Yeah, I like to walk over the fields with my dog, and I like it when I can walk him a bit further because I've got a bit fitter, you know, because that, that makes me feel stronger as well, you know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to think fitness was nothing to do with your emotions. I used to think fitness was just fitness, and emotions were emotions. But actually... It's like if you go on a long walk, you can feel totally different when you come back. Like more in control of your emotions. You can feel, you've still got emotions, but it's like you're more on top of situations. You know, so I don't mean like fit in a way as you're setting your goals. Sexy. Yeah. Not fit. She's fit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's real fit. People say yeah. that, don't they? People are saying mm-hmm. that. You know, I've and got that friends that attractive. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, so I have yeah. friends that say they wouldn't date anybody without a six pack. I mean, what? <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> I was just like, horrified. welcome to shallow world. Welcome to shallow world. So, when it when it comes to rejection. How how can you know? Let's let's pretend we have a caller and she just yeah, she she had a boyfriend. She she had a boyfriend and the boyfriend left her, or she had you know a husband and he decided to go another way and she's really mm-hmm. devastated. She feels really rejected. So what do you tell her? I would say the first thing I would say is about valuing who she is, you know, what she has got to offer, you know, who she is inside as a person. So, like, she could work with an affirmation. She could work with, um, like you say, it's like we're looking for perfection quite often, but it's like learning to love yourself. So writing an affirmation about I love myself completely, even though this has happened to me, I am still, you know, strong in who I am, happy with who I am, you know, because it's just like you sort of need that reaffirming your self-worth. You need you to believe that you are still a good person, a great person, you're worthy of something good in life. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. 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 It's um I like that because if if you if your sense of uh if if your value is intact, then when he leaves he doesn't take it away from, he doesn't take anything away from you. You still 
are 100%. But when your value is based on somebody else, then when they leave, they take it all away, and it's just like, ugh. Mm. Exactly. So we have to... Exactly. Mm. Oh, again, feedback here now. Never mind. So um, meditation and mindfulness, like just sort of like breathing and being in your body. So you could spend like three or four minutes a day just visualizing your feet on the ground and breathing and being in your body. Because what happens is when somebody's emotions go all over the place, and this has happened to me an awful lot, I'm speaking from experience, when your emotions go all over the show you can sort of lose yourself in that and you're not in your body you can feel lightheaded you can feel faint you can feel dizzy you can feel like oh my god I need a drink you know or you can start chain smoking or whatever and you're looking for external things because you're you're not centered on who you are you've lost who you are in all this situation so you know like meditation breathing mindfulness these things help bring you back there's not nothing like really magical about it it's just bringing you back to you really hmm yeah that's so important what is the difference between meditation and mindfulness Okay, this is interesting because when I used to go to meditation groups in the past and we always used to go on a journey, you know, on a guided meditation where you go for a walk along a beach or you would sort of step up through the colours of the rainbow and then go into a beautiful garden and go and sit on a bench and look at a pond or something. That's sort of guided meditation. Um, mindfulness can be just two or three minutes where you are literally just putting your feet on the ground but you're feeling that you're feeling the ground under your feet you're feeling the chair that you're sitting on you know you can feel the air on your face so what you're doing is you're connecting to being present you're connecting to being here And a good thing to do, which I I mean, I've been doing this more recently, a lot more recently, is to just hear the nearest sound. So you could hear, say, a bird singing in your garden. And then you can hear a car going along the road. So you, first of all, you listen to the nearest sound. And then you listen to the furthest away sound you suddenly realize that, you know, there's trains three, three, let's say you three kilometers, but we could like three kilometers from here, there's trains. I never even knew you could hear them. But when you do the, med- the mindfulness, sorry, mindfulness, you can then hear the trains, you can hear the birds, you can hear a car in the distance. And it's not annoying. It's just that your whole perspective and like you've woken up you've extended your you've extended your parameters you you've grown bigger in a way does that make sense yeah i like it that was great description i'm trying to hear 
I can hear birds chirping. Can you hear that? I can hear them here. Have you got birds? I can hear. No, I can hear the birds on your end. Yeah. I can hear your (laughs) birds. So I I can literally hear all the way across the ocean. My mindfulness has expanded. (laughs) I'm really good at this. That's really clever. <laughs> okay, so on this list, um, hold strong in who you are. We talked about that, didn't we? Being strong in who you are. You know, mm-hmm. don't let somebody else sort of wobble you and make you think you're less a person, you know. Because you're the yeah. same person as you were in the beginning. Like you said, yep. if somebody, if your world is centered around that person, it could feel like they've taken a bit of you away. Yeah. In essence, they haven't taken anything at all. Right. You're still 100. 100% you. They don't add to you, and they can't take away from you. But music, when I grew up, the songs kind of told me a different story. They said, oh, you're my whole world, and... You complete yeah. me, and you're my better half, and <laughs> yeah, it's like wait a. And then yeah. I grew up, and I realized that's not true. That's just a, a unhealthy belief system. Yeah, so that's true. What do you There's mean when a- you say? I was going to ask about this. Get a great hobby, but go ahead. I was just going to say this is song. A very famous Silla Black song. I don't know whether you've ever heard it over there, but it's called, it says, "You're my world, my everything," you know. And uh, it's a very, very famous, powerful song. But it is all as if they mm-hmm. are your world. You know, the other person is completely your world. Everybody knows this song here. It was like, and. Uh, Setting up that precedent for, you know, like you say, a lot of those old songs were very, very um, not about sort of going into relationships in a equal way, but more like giving everything to that person till you've got nothing left. Yep. I'm lost without you and I'll die without you and yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they knew that they were sending the wrong messages to people. How about, I'm a whole wonderful person, with or without you, but I still like you a lot. I should make... <laughs> that song might not sell very much. I think people are in love with fantasy, maybe. People are in love fantasy. with disaster. People love disaster. <laughs> people love drama. People love, I'm hanging on to you by my fingernails. You know, that's what people (laughs) like. Yeah. I need you like, I need you, then air, then water, then food. Mm. But you first. So why did you mention getting, why did you mention all your top tips to get a hobby? How does getting a hobby (laughs) help with rejection issues? Because getting a hobby, you know, like 
quite often doing things like dancing, joining a, learn to play guitar, you know. I said lots of people who've been with somebody, say, 20, 30 years, and they do everything together, and, you know, they're not used to being independent, being who they are on their own. It's like sometimes they have to build that identity. They have to build... They have to build who they are. And it's like not completely who they are because you get that on the inside, yeah? But also it sort of gives them a a focus and it's like then that thing becomes part of who they are and something they can turn to like a, like a root, like an anchor if they need to. Like if you play guitar and, you know, you got really good at it and then you hit another bad patch, you might just say, okay, you know, at least I've got my guitar. Do you know what I mean? Right. At least I have my my dog or my cat, my friends. got to have something. Mm-hmm. you got to mm-hmm. have something. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. So have a hobby, have something that fulfills you. Yeah. And keeping yeah. fit, we mentioned to keep fit, it makes you healthier, more energetic, life is better. Now, number eight is avoid social media and long emails. What's that about? <laughs> well, like, you know, I used to do dating sites, Drew, uh, years ago. And, you know, sometimes people would... Uh, they would say about who they were, but not only would they say about who they are, but they'd have three pages of baggage as well. And it's like, I don't think you can really get to meet somebody if somebody is coming forward with all their past disasters, you know. And I think sometimes you just have to go meet a person. You just have to talk to a person. Instead of, um, you know, all this, uh, like, discussing it. Yeah, because the, uh, I think that there's different parts of a person's personality. Your social media presence is, it's a part of your personality. Your uh, phone, talk to the person on the phone all the time, that, you know, but you never met them. You get a you get a piece of their personality, but until you meet them, you're not really getting a a real look at the real person. And even when you meet them, you still got to get to know them for a period of time before the actual real person shows up. What do you think about that? Yeah, I do, and I think also you can you can fantasize an image of what the person is like if you've not actually met them. You can build it up. So, like, by the time you actually go and meet them, you're thinking they are this god, you know, (laughs) and not a real Uh person, because that's what people do. People like fantasies. So it's like, you know, you say, he sounds so lovely, or she sounds so lovely. But really, if you've not met them, you know, like, there might be a lot of things very different about that person. You know, when you actually go to meet them, you know, you might think, well, 
you know, they didn't actually even say goodbye to me. <laughs> you go on a date with that person, they might they might not even say goodbye to you. They might, you know, act like they don't give give a damn about you. And you've actually just, you know, emailing. It's just a bit of a story going on. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think you're right. You create an expectation. And you, what if you just totally lie to yourself? Like, even though they didn't say goodbye, he's like, oh, oh, that's nothing. He probably said it really low and I just didn't hear it. So mm-hmm. we, want it, we want the disaster. Yeah. We want the disaster. Without well, we knowing it, that's what we want. Yeah, we do. That's what I mean. That is set, called setting yourself up for rejection. You sort of, you feel like you're going to be rejected, so you pick someone who's easily going to do that to you. And yeah, I've been I've been in that pattern a lot in the past, and I think it's good to see that you know. And mm-hmm. you could go to a restaurant with somebody; they could have their out for a meal and they've got their mobile phone on the whole time and they're texting ex-girlfriends or they're looking around the restaurant at other women coming in every five minutes and you think they're not really interested in you but they could have seen the most interested in you in the world when you were emailing or on social media so you know (laughs) that's how it is though isn't it Joe that's what happens yeah Yep. What about, because we only have uh, oh. seven minutes to go. What about. Well, we got someone person... here now, I think. Just just Uh-oh. a minute. Just a minute. <laughs> Let's Uh-oh. see. Hi there. Hi. Um, I was just listening. Okay. What would you like to ask? Drew's here as well. So far away. Pardon me. Are, are you just listening? Are you just listening, or do you wanna you wanna throw in your two cents or ask a question? You should. You can. Um, I'm not sure what to ask. Um, I just started listening, and I I just saw the um the title, you know, and I was like, okay, let me hear what you're talking about. I'm not sure what I can ask, you know. Um, I see you guys are talking about. Rejection? Is that what you're talking Rejection yeah. and issues? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, well, I guess I do have a big one. Um, I was adopted, so there's an, like a, I don't know what kind of feeling I could say that is. Like a, um. Well, I was adopted too, so you're, you're probably, um, drawn to us because of this, because recently <laughs> I keep doing readings. I do psychic readings for people, and I just keep getting adopted people recently. So there's something going on here. Oh, well, I, I've always kept it a secret, and I never told anybody. Nobody knows, but um, my children don't know. And um, this, you know, one scary thing that's coming out is that, um, like, he, one of my sons, my older son, he did a one that ancestor DNA thing that they do with the swabbing. Oh, to yeah. find mm-hmm. out, you know, 
what he, you know, like what his nationality is and stuff. So um, he did that, and he keeps on like, you guys should do it, you should do it. But I'm procrastinating because nobody knows. So I I, I don't know what to do about that issue. But I, ha- I'm, I just have it on the back burner. I'm like, it's okay, <laughs> you know. So I'm not sure what's going to come out of that, you know. So, But I haven't, you know, done it yet to submit one. But, you know, mm-hmm. my son's all, come on, do one, do one. <laughs> Why doesn't any? Why is it a secret? Why is it a secret? Because I never told nobody. Um, I, you know, I guess. Um, I, I guess I feel like ashamed. I don't know. It's because you feel like, um, like no, but like they did. Like I don't call them. I guess who you know, whoever had me, you know, I I feel like you know, like rejection. Like you know, why they didn't want me, you know. So I'm like, I don't feel like opening that door, you know. I'm like, I I just shut it closed and don't let nobody know, you know. And I actually didn't find out till my mom was dying, and um, my mom had adopted me, and she's. She told me on her deathbed, you know, and she started telling me stuff, and I was like, okay. And I was uh, about 16 and I turned 17 when I found out. Yeah, that's light. Yeah, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it, the way that she presented it to me. She was the best mother ever, and I still miss her to this day. She's been gone 32 years, my um, Mm -hmm. adopted mother. And um, she was the best person in the world. <laughs> and, um, mm. I, I'm i a little sad the way she told me, you know, like right at the end instead of, I wish I would have known, you know. So I guess maybe that's what I'm carrying. Is I, I think to myself I'm just carrying it a secret because she kept it a secret, so I think it's a secret. I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, it's sense. like a secret that never goes away. It's like, it's like the most natural thing in the world to want to know, know where you come from. And it's yeah. like... And, you see, can and I'm afraid to do it. Part of yeah. Me. It's scary. It's very scary. I did it I did it like 20 years ago, probably longer than that, 25 years ago. And I was scared. I was really, really scared. But... Even though now, like, we still have a relationship. I have a relationship with my birth mother, and also I have a half-brother. And it's not like a big relationship. I don't see them very often. But it is still, I know where I come from. I know more about my family. I know why I was adopted. Uh, I sort of know what happens. And it's like, then, for me, it's... It's like those missing parts of me are sort of like joined together. Whereas before I sort of felt like almost like I didn't have a root. Does that make any sense to you? Yes. Yeah. And um well, you know, I I the you know, I the reason I don't wanna do that DNA thing is because I don't want nobody contacting me. You know, I you know, I figure okay, I'm fifty two years old. If they never look for me in 52 years, and all of a sudden I put, you know, I'm on that DNA thing, uh, and they start popping out people I don't know. I don't want to have to explain to other people who they are and, 
You know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't want to do it. Maybe because the way my mom told me, you know, the story that happened, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I went to the library and, you know, looked it up. And sure enough, everything that she told me, it was in the newspapers, you know, everything that happened. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to deal with them. You know, like um, they were into selling drugs and guns and I mean like a lot of them not just one or two on the street like like a house full of guns a house full of drugs and I guess when they came to raid the house um which would be one of my parents my father put me in the air for them not to shoot him so they put he put me up in the front so they would put their guns down and um so he could try to get away so I guess that's like I, I figure, well, why do I want to be in touch with people like that? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, so I, I, you know, and I forgive them. I have, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't really care because I shut that door, and it's okay with me. It's, you know, all of us go through things. I figure, and all of us have things that we do that we shouldn't have done, probably. You know, and and then once they're done, you can't undo them. You know, and it's, and so I figure, you know. And I know there's a whole bunch of brothers and sisters out there, and we all live in the same city. They don't know who I am. I don't know who they are, but we all live in the same um, state. So I could be standing behind them at the store, and I would never know, you know. And I'm just like, okay, so I just take a deep breath and just say it's okay, you know, because I'm happy with my family that I I create it. You know, I have my three children and my husband and his family, and and it's good, you know, so I don't know if all these years, and I feel so much better just telling you guys this. So thank you yeah. for listening to me because I have never yeah. told anybody. I mean, it's just been so a little walled up so in good. there. And I'm like, yeah, I feel a lot better. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking um, that, thinking that rejection, you know, it's, when you when you called and you started talking and then it connected to rejection, I don't think that I was like, yeah, this seems like this is where it's going. And and some of the things that we talked about was that um, because of fear of being rejected or because of, you know, because we fear we might be rejected, we don't want to present our whole self. Like we only want we don't want to tell the secret because maybe then mm-hmm. we'll get rejected and and mm-hmm. when you were talking about how your mom waited so long to tell you, maybe she was afraid that if she told you, you might reject her. But that wasn't true because you loved her. And maybe the, the fear that you have of sharing it with your family, maybe they love you enough to accept the whole you. They probably do. Right. You probably know they do. Yeah. Because what if you I wait until... Until I die, until my death. Yeah, then you tell them, and then they're like, why'd you wait so long to tell us that? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And 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 sometimes it's silly, and sometimes it's like, okay, should I say something, should I not, you know? I mean, my husband doesn't even know, you know, so I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I mean, 52 years, I mean, me and my husband have been married 30 years, and I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what. I'm just like in a little circle I was until I talked to you guys, but I feel better about this, you know, and I kept the door shut and I'm fine with the door shut, you know, but I know that eventually one day I felt like it's, 
I don't I don't know. I mean, I feel as long as I don't do that DNA test, nobody will know. And then I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, you know, but to myself I'm thinking that. Yeah, yeah. that's funny because my so, son and I were looking at um, YouTubes of people that had, had that done last night as well because I didn't realize people have made YouTubes about their experiences with the DNA testing. And he's saying, look, look at this one. He's going, that's amazing. You wouldn't believe the result. And I said, I didn't know people have made YouTubes about this DNA testing and he said yeah there's loads of them and normally most people are really totally surprised by how it works out anyway I mean but the thing is it's like everything happens for a reason and I know sometimes the reasons we don't want to know but sometimes we get I believe anyway I believe don't know what Drew believes but I believe that like we get these little nudges that saying you know do you do you think it would be a good time to to sort of cut you know like to let your family know now? Do you feel it? You know because it's like like you said you could you you actually feel so much better and freer for having the truth out really. Yeah, and as you're speaking, I'm sweating. I am I, like every part of me is sweating, like even my legs. I'm like, what the heck? And I, I'm, you know, I have air conditioning on, but I'm just like, just sweating, even thinking about this. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess it's just the fear of, I, I'm not sure what it is. I, I well, I know it's just fear and being afraid. Yeah. And what advice could you give to me? I didn't even know I was going to talk about this, you know, but no. I guess, okay. Well, I'm not a psychic. I just want to say that um, in, okay, I, I, I wasn't adopted, so I feel like the minority here. Isn't that weird? But um, something similar happened growing up, and at some point I had to realize that whatever the adults, did in my childhood it couldn't I couldn't let it define me I couldn't let it define me I felt less than I felt different I felt rejected like my dad just left he was like bye and and I grew up with a lot of those feelings and eventually I I realized I had a choice to not let that define me I'm a whole person I'm a beautiful person you are you you have the evidence all around you people love you you're beautiful Look at what you've created. So whatever happened then, that's in the past. And it's not yeah. who you have chosen to be. So you're a beautiful whole person. No matter what happened then, what happens tomorrow, it, it won't change that. And when I, when I build my house on that solid foundation, then I can conquer the world. And that's, I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. I think there's no right or wrong. For some people, it might be they never wanna, they never wanna tell other people they are adopted. And I think that is their choice. It's not like one set of rules for everybody. It depends on you. But if it if it's like eating you up, 
the, the fact that you've never told your family, if it's literally, you know what I mean by that, if the emotions are starting to eat you up because you know this thing and you're the only one that knows it and you would really like your family to, to know, what you're fearing, your biggest fear is that the rejection, worrying that your family will either be angry, won't understand, um, it is a fear. It's it's the fear of it is probably far far worse than the actual reality of it. Yeah, fear is horrible. <laughs> Boy, is it? Because <laughs> like I tell you, I started sweating and everything. I was like, okay, now I'm cooling off. I feel better, you know. And I'm like, you know, and I, I never felt like um like I was keeping. Well, I am keeping a secret, but I never felt like I was keeping anything from them because I figured we really, um, I always talked about my mom and dad that raised me. I mean, they got me when I was three days old. And um, so, you know, I know nothing but them and the way they raised me, the way they, my train of thought and everything, you know, because of my surroundings, the way they raised me. So I just, thought, you know, well, I I just won't say anything, and and so one year went by, I mean, I, I never told my husband, he never, we never really talked about, like, anything like that, so I never said anything, and I, you know, and there's times I look at him and I think, should I say anything? I'm like, nah, you know, I mean, like, we've been married 30 years, and like, why after 30 years, you know, I figure it, it doesn't really matter, does it really matter? And I'm like, not really, because to me, the parents that raised me, they it was just like they had me. My mom said she goes. She told me she goes. She goes. Um, I could have. I could have had a baby. She goes, but I picked you. And oh. um, you know, she she told me some good stuff. You know, and and then there was a lot of sad stuff. You know, the story behind me. You know, so um, I was I was disappointed in those people. I said, how could you do that to a baby? <laughs> you know, but they did. You know, and then. Um, you know, and then I let it, you know, after my mom died, you know, then I, at the funeral, I let it go. And I, I, you know, I talked to her and I said, you know, mom, I'm going to let it go. I said, you know, I wish you would have told me, you know, I said, but it's okay. I go, because she was protecting my feelings, actually, because, you know, she knew how I would feel when I found out what they did, you know. And she mm-hmm. was like, you know, and that, that feeling of just knowing that somebody could do that, like, without even mm-hmm. a second thought, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I see a bird coming, I don't want it to crash into my window, let alone put it in the line of fire, you know, it's not, I don't understand how yeah. people can do that, but I figure, you know, they must have desperate time, um, when you're so desperate, I guess, desperate measures for desperate things, you know, they just did what they thought was they could get away with, I guess, I'm not sure. And I'm not even sure if they're alive or, you know, if they're still around. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about them. I don't know um, really my nationality. I don't really know what I am, you know, but, you know, I go off of being Hispanic, but I'm not sure what I am because my, my adopted mom and dad were Hispanic, you know, so I just went along with them, <laughs> you know. So I'm not sure. So... I don't know. I don't see myself telling them unless I get courage later on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be that your um, adoptive parents were didn't tell you, well, your mother didn't tell you until she was, like, you know, nearly dying or very elderly because she wanted to protect you because these people 
have been involved in something bad, haven't they? They weren't just like run of the normal people. They were in the newspaper, you know. Um, it doesn't matter what people they are. You are still, there is still a thing. It's like we do like to know where we come from. In which case, the DNA test, if you had it done and you didn't tell anyone about it and you got the results, that might provide some sort of closure for you on that. Yeah, what do you think about that, I like that. I like that idea. The only thing is that when you submit your DNA, how do like do you do you give up your rights where people can find, start to search for you and say, oh well, here's a match and here's a match and this could be your brother, this could be your sister. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't want to put mine out there if somebody's going to see it and then try to be looking for me and saying, oh I oh I think you're my sister. I don't I don't want to deal with them. I no. I'm not ready to deal with those people. I'm just not ready to do it. Not right. with my heart. With with my head, I'm like it's okay. I'm fine with everything. I you know I've forgiven and let it go. I just don't want them in front of my face. Do you know what I, I mean? Think, I don't know if I'm being I think heartless. That, I, I feel like I'm being I think heartless. That, uh, I think the issue, like you have a you have a question that needs to answered, and I think it it's complicated because there's the logical question and answer, like hey, what's my DNA? Where's my confidentiality and privacy? And you can find the answer to that. You call the police, but then there's also a, an element of fear, and I think whatever decision you make is yours to make, but. I don't think it's ever ideal to let fear be our the dictator of my life because then I'm I'm never really happy when I'm only moving in fear. Fear will make me not go to this place or it'll make me stay in this place. And and I don't want I want to be free. Fear fear will, will not let me be free. So whatever whatever decision you make, I just hope you make it from a space of of courage. And and whatever you decide is best for you, you know, with the logical part of it, you you are, you sound very intelligent. So I have full confidence that you can make intelligent choices. But the fear, when the fear gets in the picture, my intelligence gets real weird. So I have to have I have to get centered in my courage space so that I can make the best decisions. That's just how I feel. Who cares what I feel? No, I like it, and I like what you said about the fear. Like it, hold, it can hold you in one place. I don't want to be stuck anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I tell my children, you know, when I go, I just, I um, I want, I'm gonna be cremated. You know, we're, we paid for our cremation, so I tell them, you know, I I don't care if you guys want to divide me and keep me until you want, and then just throw me in the air. Go, you know, my favorite places. You can throw me there. You can keep me in a jar at your house. I don't care what you do with me because I'm not there. I said, but that would just be a symbol of me. I go, so whatever and whenever you want to let me go, you just throw me anywhere and everywhere because I don't want to be stuck in one place. <laughs> so I did tell them and tell them that, you know. So I know I have a lot of courage just not for that. I don't know. I'm just, like, trying yeah. to figure out now, like, how am I going to just get over it? And, I mean, I just kept that door slammed shut. I mean, I had... Locked from the top to the bottom, you know, and it never bothered me. And now that I told you guys, I'm just like, oh my gosh! It, it, I mean, it's always been there, but so it's kind of like a miracle. 
It's kind of a miracle because our show was almost over. We were wrapping it up. <laughs> we were going to say the final sentences, and then there you appeared. Then here I come. Yeah. And, and we still could have just we could have just said, you know what? Well, we'll catch a, the caller. We'll tell them the next time, and they'll come back later. But we instead we extended the show. We took your call. You didn't even want to say anything. You were like, oh, I'm just listening. And but it happened. So it's a miracle. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. You guys have been so wonderful. Thank you. It's so nice meeting with you and talking with you. I'm glad God brought us together. And I I do feel better, you know, and I know the decision, you know, is up left to me at the end, you know, and it's like yeah. you say, I just, I got to pray for that fear to go away from me so I could, you know, make a good decision on how I'm going to approach this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said about when Drew said what he said, but also said about eating you up. It's like you don't have to do anything about it as long as it doesn't eat you up. But when you're yeah, well, actually it in pain me. because of it, if it starts to bother you, like much more, if you find yourself thinking about it constantly, the fact that you haven't been able to share this. You know, you can only go on your own indication, but it could be that you feel right now is the time, and you will know when is the time. It's it's no good us trying to say to you you should do this or you shouldn't do this, but it's like it's our own measure whether something is then causing us. Like Drew was saying, you know, there is always a point where you think actually, this is bothering me so much, I'm going to do something different. Mm-hmm. I I can imagine a scenario where you say, honey, can I, can I tell you something? You got a few minutes. I want you to sit down. I want to tell you the biggest secret I've ever had in my whole life. Okay? <laughs> I, need you to, I need you to be really understanding. And then you're standing there and you're sweating and you're stuttering and you just say it. And you get a big hug and say, oh, Oh, honey, oh, my God, really? You you didn't have to. What did you think? I was going to not love you? I love you even more now. You know, stuff like that. Because fear is like I'm telling myself some bad story, and I'm believing it. But if I tell myself a better story, you know, I get to choose the fantasies I wish to believe. And you, you seem like you have a loving family. So what else are they going to do but love you? But don't take my advice because... If it don't work out that way, don't call me blaming me. <laughs> you got to make the decision. I know. The truth. I know. I mean, I like, I, it, you know, it's nice to hear other people's input because then you're just not focused on that um, fear. You know what I mean? Because you have no fear, so you're just saying what you want to say. And when you have fear, you're like, I feel like you're holding back a little bit. Like, you know, you're just like keeping just a little bit in and not saying, you know, so you don't have any fear, you're just saying what you should say, you know, and I'm like, okay, so I've got to get to that point where I don't have the fear, so I'm just going to pray and meditate and try to get over it and then um, see where it leads me, to let them know or not to let them know, you know, I mean, um, on my birth certificate, I mean, there's, it doesn't say I'm adopted or anything, so I don't know how, like, if I was to die tomorrow, if they would ever find out, you know. I'm not sure. I don't know. 
I, and I still don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm, I know I'm going to pray for the spirit to get out of me, and I'm going to just put courage in front of me, and then mm-hmm. I will go from there. Okay, that's okay. wonderful. Thank you. Thank okay, you for well, coming thank on you. and talking to us. That was brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Okay. Well, thank you guys, and you guys have a blessed day. And thank you for hearing my story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you guys are the only two in the whole world I've ever told. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And have a wonderful day. You too. Have a great day. Bye. 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 Okay, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure whether the lady is gone or not, whether she's still just there and listening. I think she might just be still um still listening. But Drew, have we got any other points? Have we got anything else that we'd like to share here for our tips? Or do you think we've done our tips now? Yeah, I think the main thing that we should share is that uh you can you can check out Jennifer. By visiting her, mm-hmm. you can you can listen. You can catch more of Jennifer on Natural Co Creators Show on Blog Absolutely. Talk Radio. Make make sure you uh, follow, subscribe, whatever it is that they do, and yeah. uh, and you can be in touch when the next show drops. And you can also catch mm-hmm. me, Drew Pillow, on Blog Talk Radio. My show is called DPR Presents. DPR Presents. Just put that in the search bar. I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Box Talk Radio. My shows are awesome. Just not because I'm there, of course, but because you're there and you're gonna be there. So be there and check out. I love my show. that. I love that. Yeah. And if you want to join the group on Facebook, Natural Co Creators Community, we've got a group going in there. You know, if anybody wants to share their creativity, make new friends, find new ways of moving forward. So Natural Co-Creators Community might be the group for you. And also, just want to say here, Drew, that I've written a book about adoption. It's a novel called William Really? Fishes. Yeah, it's a novel, and it's for William Fishes. It has got some of my own thoughts and feelings in there about being adopted, but it is written as a story. And I do think anybody who is adopted might like to read it because it just sort of like, there are things there that probably resonate with them. So uh, they can get that on Amazon.com. I'm using my voice. (coughs) Excuse me. Or (laughs) Amazon.co.uk or Amazon.com. Williams Wishes by Jennifer Lynch. So, yeah, take a look at that as well. You know, it's not, obviously, it's not everybody's story, but there might be some things and they think, Oh, I used to feel just like that when I was a child. And there are little things in there that probably will help anybody that's adopted. So that's great. And thank you for being my guest, Drew, today. It's been absolutely brilliant to have your wisdom and your uh, philosophy. You're a real philosopher and a person in the know. And thank you for bringing your gems of truth through today. You're awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Take care then. Take care for now. Bye for now then. All right. Peace. Peace. So that's fantastic, Drew Pillow, and it was great to have a caller. I'm just going to play you out with a piece of music called 
Considerate Man by Ashna. And I will see you tomorrow evening where we have the wonderful Penny Morgan who will be talking about photography and how to love your image. So really, it's about image, but it's also about you accepting who you are within that image as well. So it sort of links a bit into what we're talking about tonight, but in a very positive way. Good night.